ready for a busy offseason. Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Danny Sarek joins me. Okay, all offseasons are busy, but this offseason, the Cardinals can and hopefully will focus strictly on the field, meaning personnel, in other words, players, whether that's draft prospects, free agent targets, or possible trade candidates. Time to get started. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 728, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, one heart, one threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Quick question before we begin. I don't like when you start with this, Craig. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Because I never know where you're going. Did you find an old tweet of mine? No, I did not. Okay, then I'm ready. Do I need to search? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. The question is this. Do you know what today is? And today, depending on when people might be partaking in this podcast, February 14th. Is it a trap to say Valentine's Day? Is that the answer you're looking for? No, it's not a trap. I was just asking, do you know what today is? If that's your answer, then that's your answer. Is that your answer? It's the one-year anniversary of Jonathan Gannon being hired as a head coach. Was that right? Bingo. Oh, thank goodness. Wait, you think I was trying to catch you off guard? Maybe. I, was, I mean, okay, you brought it Valentine's Day. Big deal or just another not, day? Not really. Okay. That's why I was thought that it was a trap <laughs> question of, shoot, is this what he wants me to say? <laughs> No, although I'd nice to see you wearing your Valentine's Day red. I am. My Cardinals, my red t-shirt, I'm representing. No, it is. The one-year anniversary of the Arizona Cardinals naming Jonathan Gannon as head coach. Darren Urban's got a story up on azcardinals.com. In some respects, it doesn't feel like a year. In other respects, oh yes, it feels like a full calendar year. Yeah, it, it feels like it's been a year to me, Craig. When I think I look back and you think about everything that's all the moves that have been made and everything, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that feels like a year. It's just because of we're here in the middle of February. And typically when you have new head coaches, it's January, middle January, late January. The Cardinals waited until after the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 58 just completed. And then this anniversary date pops up. And you're like, oh, that's right. The Cardinals did. It took a long time. And then all of a sudden everything started happening Coaching staff, combine, free agency, the draft, and you're like, it never stopped last offseason. Don't forget new uniforms. I mean, oh, there, there was yeah. a new general manager just about a month before Gannon was hired and uh, Monty Awesome for it. It was a very busy offseason. That's why when people say, how's the offseason? I'm thinking, what offseason? Now, thankfully, we don't have to worry about those new GM or coaching searches and changes or new uniforms. So should be a, a much easier offseason. It's a different offseason. Yes. It might not be any less busy. It will be a different type of busy. And I think busy as far as focusing on the field as opposed to off the field with respect to the coaches. I'm talking personnel moves, player moves, acquisition, figuring out what pieces need to be added to your core, Kyler Murray and company, to get this team from four wins into the playoff mix, maybe even the playoff picture, and then move forward. But yeah, this I think this is the first, it's the second offseason, but the first full offseason in which we will see 
what Monty Austin Ford does when he has money to spend. Not that he didn't have any a year ago, but he chose not to. And then with draft capital, a number of draft picks, and then, okay, we've answered the biggest question, and that is we know who our franchise quarterback is. This is a very different offseason because the foundation has been set and Austin Fort has a clean slate. To a certain extent, last year, there were pieces and players that you didn't necessarily have to keep, but the Cardinals didn't have a lot of options when you're talking about depth. There were players who started the preseason or training camp who were not here by the time the regular season started. There were players, starters, at the beginning of the regular season who were not on this roster by the time the season ended. There were just a lot of things that needed to be determined, and you can't just make those decisions right off the bat when you're hired in the early part of the offseason. So I understand why some of those decisions, right, they're fluid and you have to get through the year. Now that that first year is done, Austin Fort truly has the clean slate to do with whatever he wants with a foundation that has been set, not just by the front office, but also by Gannon and his coaching staff. Everybody now has a good idea of moving forward, how they work together off the field and on the field. When you hire a coaching staff, they can talk about their philosophies. They can talk about what they want to accomplish, what they want to do. Now that there's a full season under the belt of all of these coaches, everybody has a better understanding of what the goal is, how are you working towards that goal, and are the right people in this building, in those positions to reach that goal. So while last year was important, this is really where you get into the nitty-gritty parts and you really get to see the transformation happen in this building. What worked, what didn't work, to your point, you have a philosophy, hey, this is my idea, this is what I would like to do, okay, can we execute that? And maybe there are some parts of the offense, defense, and special teams that you have to adjust. Jonathan Gannon likes to say you're always adjusting. You're, he doesn't have a scheme, whether that's on offense or defense. You adapt that particular week to that particular opponent. Yet at the same time, there are core principles. And I think we saw offensively, this team wants to run the football and have that be the first option. Okay, now you figure out what you need along the offensive line. Maybe some help with James Conner as far as does he have enough rest. And then you build around those pieces. And hopefully, depending on what happens in free agency in the draft, you find that number one wide receiver. That, to me, offensively is where I think this is headed. Shore up the offensive line as far as depth and find that number one playmaker. Absolutely. Wide receiver is very high on the list in terms of need. There's a good argument to take a specific wide receiver with the fourth overall pick in the draft. You bring up a good point, though, of besides the obvious positions of need, there are still other areas. When you're talking about running back, right? Do the Cardinals like what they have? Yes, in Amari DiMercato as your blocking running back. Is Michael Carter the fit that you want to supplement what James Conner does and giving him rest and feel like you're not missing a beat if Carter is in for Conner? Tight ends. You have your true number t- number one tight end in Trey McBride. When you're looking at a blocking tight end, Jeff Swaim, who got hurt at the end of the year, is that a player that you want to use as your blocking tight end? Do you like what you saw in Elijah Higgins in his rookie year being moved from a receiver to a tight end? That's still an important position of, yes, you might have your catching tight end. You still need to make sure you've got the right blockers. And again, depth in that position. And then when it comes to wide receivers, 
you want to make sure that you have the right group because moving forward, you're going to have some decisions that still need to be made of in the future of a Greg Dortch or a Rondale Moore. What does this team see in Michael Wilson? And what do they feel like is missing opposite of him? Is that a skill set of a player you need to draft? Is that something you can get from a healthy Hollywood Brown? Or maybe you need both. Maybe it makes sense to draft a wide receiver and still sign Brown to a one-year prove-it deal considering he has not been healthy for a full season here in Arizona. There's options, and, and I like your point of besides the glaring need of wide receiver and certain parts of your offensive line, you can really work with, you know, make, make some improvements in the sense of either as a starter or depth in really every part of the offense. But the glaring needs for sure, wide receiver and your offensive line. And it's a question of left tackle. Is is the staff going to approach needing a, a starting left tackle after DJ Humphreys tore his ACL at the end of the season? Is your answer in this building? Or are you going to have to go outside for that answer? Because you already need a left guard because that was a revolving door this year. I'll bring up one more position on offense. And it's a position that you hope you don't have to see this upcoming season. Ooh, yep. And that's backup quarterback. Yeah, Clayton Toon's probably not ready for that role. There were 66 different quarterbacks who started at least one game in 2023. In 2022, the number was 68. You need a reliable number two quarterback that can come in. Again, hopefully you don't need that person. But to come in three, four, five games total to keep you afloat and to maybe win you a couple of ball games. Again, here's hoping Kyler Murray never gets hurt. But it happens, and you have to be prepared, and that's where I, I'm not talking about the draft. We can get into the draft, but I'm looking at free agency, and that comes before the draft. Can you spend some dollars, some real dollars, on a backup quarterback, even though you hope to never have him see the football field? It's a really interesting point. I don't know how fair of a sample size it is to look at that Cleveland game of where we saw Clayton Toon as a rookie stepping up, the Cardinals had been using Colt McCoy and then Josh Dobbs, and then you end up with Clayton Toon because the Cardinals traded Dobbs, knowing that Kyler Murray's return was imminent. You've just had that one week in between. I, I'm not sure, though, that I could sit here and confidently say that in time of need, Clayton Toon could step up in year two and lead the Cardinals to a win in a sense where they're, you know, the drop off in terms of the plays that are being called and leading the offense isn't incredibly significant right you he could still help win win you some games so I think that's a really good point I agree that I'm not sure draft would be the right move if you're looking for a true backup quarterback that could come in and and be ready early on in the season if need be that would probably be a free agency move, a, a signing at that point. The two positions, though, on offense, and again, we'll get to the defense here in a moment, but as we look to this upcoming scouting combine in Indianapolis, you and I will both be there the last week of February. 321 prospects have been invited. You know all of them by name? I do not. I did break down all the— what are you doing, Craig? I, I did not—I did not break—I said— I. Now let me rephrase. I didn't break down. I read someone's breakdown of the <laughs> prospects from individual schools. 18 for Michigan, which was a single wow. school record. Washington had 13 
Florida State 12, Texas, Georgia each with 11, Alabama and Penn State with 10. And Missouri? I didn't go down that far, and I don't know how many from Syracuse. I did see one name. I think there's a handful from Syracuse. But Missouri, maybe that's our goal. The the handful of days that we're in Indianapolis is to track down all of the players from Missouri and Syracuse. Okay. Might not take that long, Dave. Yeah, to be might honest. not. It may take us about 20 minutes. But you talk about wide receiver and offensive line. And I think for many, those are the two positions that most of the mock drafts have pegged for the Cardinals at number four and number 27. Well, that's not just because of what the Cardinals need, those are two of the positions that have more depth and are pretty top heavy. And well, I shouldn't say top heavy because you do have depth. However, when you're looking from from reading analysts and mock drafts, it seems like those two positions. This is a good draft if you need a wide receiver or an offensive lineman based off not just the quantity, the quality of the prospects as well. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, four wide receivers in his top fifteen as far as his top fifty prospects. So four in the top 15, seven offensive linemen, many of them tackles in his top 18. And the latest mock draft, I know there's there are countless mock drafts. I pay attention to a handful of them. Field Yates, ESPN NFL Insider, co-host of the First Draft Podcast with Mel Kuyper Jr. I do take what Field has to say, and I believe he's very, very good, very knowledgeable. He, like many, have Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, and Drake May going one, two, three. And like many, he has Marvin Harrison going number four to the Arizona Cardinals. It's what he wrote about Marvin Harrison that I found interesting. He writes, Few pick projections are as straightforward as this one, as the receiver-needy Cardinals could land my top-ranked wideout in this class and one of the most highly regarded wideout prospects of the past handful of years. Added this, make life much easier on quarterback Kyler Murray the second he arrives at the team facility. That all sounds fantastic. It certainly does. Here's the thing. It's, I love, I will always advocate if the quality is good enough and they are high enough on your board to take an offensive lineman. I, especially growing up in Dallas, covering the Cowboys as an employee, I have seen how having a true offensive line built of stout, top-notch players makes a difference in everything that you want to do. We've seen here in Arizona at times where if the connection with the center and the quarterback is off, how that derails everything. So I will always advocate for an offensive lineman. I know people don't think that's a sexy pick, but I don't care. There does come a point where when a team is in a rebuilding or transition phase, as important as those pillar positions are, at some point, your quarterback is going to need somebody to throw to, somebody consistent who is going to make those contested catches, who can have separation and run those routes. And it doesn't matter if he's got one man or two men on him. He is a reliable person to throw the ball to. The Cardinals don't have that. All of the reports are saying that Marvin Harrison Jr. can be that player. And I know that I wasn't here. I just missed the great Larry Fitzgerald by the time I started. That is what the Cardinals are missing. And they are now poised in a position 
where if the board, if, if Harrison happens to fall to them at four, is a great decision if that is the way the Cardinals choose to go. And if that's the way the Cardinals choose to go, I'm all for it. But I also believe what you mentioned as far as what do you need first and foremost, what do you need to build a team? One, it's the quarterback. Two, it's an offensive tackle. Three, it's an edge rusher. To me, those are the top three positions that you need. And we had a couple of weeks ago on the Red Sea Report, Roy Green, Ring of Honor member, second best wide receiver to ever wear a Cardinals uniform. Roy won't like me to hear that, but he knows it's the truth. And the wide receiver conversation came up, and he talked about other positions of greater need. And he mentioned the wide receiver position is a dependent position. It's dependent on the quarterback. And he's completely correct. Edge rusher is not dependent on anyone else but himself. Block the guy in front of you. Offensive line, defensive line, dependent on themselves. Okay, quarterback needs the ball to be hiked to him, but... Have have time in the pocket. That's right. So you're weighing protection versus a playmaker. Cardinals need both. And can you find, if you go offensive line first, can you find a capable wide receiver to be that number one at pick 27? Or do you package some picks and move up to the top 18, top 20? Or is it the reverse you take the wide receiver, which by all accounts, Marvin Harrison is a can't-miss prospect. I'll say this, I've heard that before with a number of can't-miss prospects, and they miss. That's not degrading anyone as far as the player or the person, Marvin Harrison, but no one is a sure thing. No one can say here on February 14th that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a Hall of Famer. You can't say that. It's impossible to know. But if you go wide receiver at four, can you find that offensive lineman, that offensive tackle at 27 Oregon package picks and move up? Where is these players or the position? How does Monty Austin Fort view those positions? And I think that with one year, he went offensive line. He went offensive line a couple of times in the draft a year ago. He values, at least from the outside looking in, Monty Austin Fort values the line of scrimmage. But when you have a prospect like a Marvin Harrison Jr., does that supersede because he is head and shoulders above anyone else on your big board? It might, Craig, because he could truly be best player available, top player on their board. It's a fine line. You have to find the balance of best player available and position of need. I agree with you that offensive line is incredibly important and that wide receiver is more of a dependent role the Cardinals could not go wrong also if they decide to draft a tackle and this is the part where awesome fort that the time where awesome fort decides to have your pillar tackles for the next five to ten years when you've got Paris Johnson Jr. on the right side who just finished his rookie year that would be great as well because there are enough wide receivers who are already graded to be first-round picks to where even if the Cardinals waited until 27, if they went with tackle at four and wide receiver at 27, yes, it is a risk when, when we're saying that the analysis of these players is saying that they are going to be great players and deserving of this first-round pick. From what we have seen, all signs are leading to it being worth the risk 
to draft Harrison at four and then take a tackle at 27. Or maybe the plan is if you can get Harrison, the Cardinals will choose to find a left tackle either in a veteran who's going to be out there. Maybe they decide to roll with Kelvin Beecham, who is still in the building, who has a lot of experience in his career over on the left side. Maybe they decide to try out Paris over on the left side, who had played there in college. They have options. So I guess that's a silver lining of you can't go wrong, right, of, of what you do. I just, it from every everything that we are seeing and reading, it really feels like you can't miss if you're going to take Harrison at four. It just, it feels like a different kind of pick to take a wide receiver that high. It is, I know nothing is a sure thing. This sounds about as close as it can as you are leading up to the draft. Kind of no different different position, but the conversation uh, Peyton Manning when he came out of Tennessee, Andrew Luck when he came out of Stanford. A year ago, the conversation, though, with the Cardinals was Will Anderson, and everyone pegged Will Anderson to be an Arizona Cardinal. Didn't happen that way. I'll go back five years ago, going into the 2019 scouting combine in Indianapolis. Cardinals had the number one pick. The year before, they had Josh Rosen as your quarterback. So my thought going into Indianapolis, you got your quarterback. You're looking at Nick Bosa or Quinnen Williams with the number one overall pick. Five days later, Danny, I left Indianapolis. I had a number of people say, oh, no, Kyler Murray is going to be the first overall pick, and he's going to be the pick of the Arizona Cardinals. I was stunned at the end of that week. And what happened a month later? Kyler Murray was the first overall pick of the Arizona Cardinals. What are we gonna what do we think now versus what do we think March first when we come back from Indianapolis? Not only that, I mean, even shortly after March first is free agency is what we are thinking now is going to be vastly different than in April before the draft after free agency. Because Craig, it'll be pretty telling if the Cardinals decide to sign a veteran left tackle in free agency. That kind of gives away the cards of maybe not drafting an offensive tackle with the fourth overall pick. And how much money is spent yes. at that position. It's one thing to is sign this, a guy versus... Is this a versus, Band-Aid for one yes. year, or are you bringing someone in to anchor that offensive line and protect Kyler Murray for the next three to four? I, I, I would find it difficult to believe on the offensive line front. Easier to see that happening with the wide receiver position in free agency. Not something that I would advocate doing i'd much prefer what you started uh talking about earlier on cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals when it comes to the money that you have available to spend in free agency defense defensive tackle edge rusher cornerback if the cardinals spend money this year a year ago they committed i got it here right here less than 28 million in guaranteed money to 29 players there are a lot of zero guaranteed dollars, a lot of one handful of multi-year deals. But if there is going to be a quote-unquote splash, I don't think Monty is going to break the bank for any one particular player. But if there is more money spent in March compared to a year ago, I think, and I would hope, it's on that front seven. I would agree. I will say opposite of if the Cardinals sign a veteran wide receiver that to me does not say you're you're showing your cards about who you're drafting it for because I still think it would make sense to bring in a veteran receiver even if it's not Hollywood Brown and draft a receiver with one of those top picks 
The money should go, yes, in the trenches. You could put money anywhere on this defense, Craig, and I do think it would it would really help. I mean, the Cardinals' run defense was bottom tier in the league. Really no surprise based on the injuries. The, the original idea was to have a true rotation on that D-line, and defensive coordinator Nick Rollis had his hands a little tied because of how many injuries, how many biceps injuries <sighs> this team was dealing with specifically and having to really go into the depth and, and some of those younger players bringing in inexperienced players and having to make do with what you could there. So defensive line absolutely is is a is a top place for me if you're asking where do you want to spend money in free agency. And then, of course, a pass rusher. That was non-existent for the second half. I don't think there was a single sack by the Cardinals defense in the final six games. You got a glimpse in the first half of the season from, you know, some Zayvon Collins, Victor DiMichaji, Dennis Gardeck. It turned out to not be consistent enough throughout the season. Um, and, and that's an area that you really, if you're looking for a game record, that's a great spot if you can find somebody in that position because that's obviously going to then connect with your coverage and, and force the quarterback to get the ball out a little quicker. And how's that going to help your secondary? It all ties together. 100% agree with you, though. The big bucks should absolutely go to the defensive side of the ball. Cardinals defense finished with the third fewest sacks, fifth fewest passes defensed, and the fifth fewest takeaways. And that's why this Cardinals team didn't win as many games as perhaps many people thought because they just didn't quite have the talent or talent to stay on the football field. But you bring up the sacks, and as you said that, technically there was one sack over the last six games. Dennis Gardeck gets credited when Justin Fields ran out of bounds. But here's a trivia question for you, Danny. Okay. Who is the last Cardinals player to sack actually make a tackle, sack a quarterback. So middle of the season, I'm not going to go with Zavid. I'm not going to go with Dennis. Oh, was it Jalen Thompson? No. Oh. I'll give you the, it was On week. On that blitz, no? It was week 11. <laughs> That's how far this goes back. Week 11? Week 11. Am I getting like a. Against the Texans. Against the Texans. Cardinals had four sacks in that game. Roy Lopez? Dante Stills. Oh, close. okay. Uh, well, I guess. Did am I am I wrong against Chicago? Jalen only had the pick. He didn't have a sack off the blitz. No. It was Gardeck who had the sack against the Bears. But yeah, uh, that was yeah. technically there. Okay, okay. Dante Stills. By the way, in that game against the Texans, because I went back and I did a deep dive on the number of sacks, and I saw the number four. Is okay and. And I'm trying to figure out the last quarterback. Oh, it was B.J. Ojolari. He had a sack in the fourth quarter. Well, no, he didn't sack the quarterback. He sacked Tank Dell. But Tank Dell went out as looking to throw the football, so gets credited for a sack. So the last Cardinals player to sack a quarterback. Oh, bring him to, to the get ground. tricky there. Dante Stills, week 11 against the Texans. Okay. Third quarter, by the way. Wow. See, it's the offseason. I can do these deep dive in numbers and stuff You're, like that. You have got a knack for numbers, Craig. Yeah, some of the numbers are not always good, but uh, hey, does show you what this team needs. Again, going back to the fewest number of sacks and passes defense and getting to the opposing quarterback, this Cardinals team, I do believe, has several pieces, rotation pieces. They don't have that guy. They don't have that Montez Sweat when the Bears acquired him 
from the Commanders, you're like, wow, and it completely changed what the Bears could do defensively. Cardinals need to find themselves a Montez Sweat. After watching the Super Bowl and the Chiefs and Trent McDuffie, I'm thinking the Cardinals need to get a stud <laughs> cornerback, Craig. So pick your poison okay, here. <laughs> what, what is what does Gannon Nick Rollis always say? The Russian coverage, coverage and rush. Yes, absolutely. What is more important? I'll go back to what Drew Stanton always likes to say, former Cardinals quarterback, colleague of ours. Quarterbacks are much more concerned about the rush than they are the coverage because they see someone coming at them and that if they've got time in the pocket, they'll dissect a Trent McDuffie. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how good you are in that secondary. If they've got four or five seconds, they'll beat any all-pro cornerback or safety. It's the edge rusher, the defensive lineman, that they are wary of. I still think if you're able to get a game wrecker as one of your pass rushers, you can get more out of the players you have here. You could probably get more out of a B.J. Ojolari who didn't even have a true offseason as a rookie last year because he was rehabbing. You could probably get more with Zayvon Collins after giving him a, a another full year and another offseason to really fine-tune that switch from inside linebacker to outside that he made this last year. I think a good example is when the Cardinals had Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden. And you were able, because you had Chandler Jones on one side, you were able to get a lot out of Golden opposite. Once Jones left and you were relying on Golden to step up as that number one pass rusher, wasn't as productive. I think if you're able to get a a number one star that is going to demand attention from your opponent, you can get a little more. You can you can work get some magic out of, of the other players you've got opposite of whoever you're able to bring in. That look, that is a position that costs money. You want to get somebody who's really going to make a difference, you're going to have to pay up. The Cardinals are in a pretty good spot when you're looking at cap space that they have. It's just a matter of allocating the money and doing it in a smart way, which from the limited decisions we have seen in that aspect from Austin Fort seems to have done a nice job with that so far. You got a two-year contract for Kaiser White. That's a pretty good deal. You got a two-year contract for Yoda Froholt. That turned out to be a great deal as well. Will Hernandez on a two-year deal, another solid move by the front office. But you're right, this Cardinals defense lacks that star on the premium position, the edge rusher, the cornerback. Cal, can B.J. Ojolari develop into that star? Perhaps. Can Garrett Williams develop into that star? Uh, Perhaps, but when you're looking for something now to maybe help elevate their game, to your point of, okay, my attention is focused on the right, and all of a sudden Ojolari's on the left, and all of a sudden his numbers look better, and he feels more confident, and you have someone that a quarterback now has to pay attention to on both sides of the line of scrimmage versus just one guy, or in the case of this year, there was no one. There were just rotation pieces, solid players, but not that one guy that I think any opposing quarterback feared, whether that was on the first level, second level, or third level of the Cardinals' defense. That's just right, and that's just the point where the Cardinals are in the cycle that every team goes through of, you know, you you start winning, you start bringing in the pieces to win, and then it just starts to cost a lot of money to retain those players. And then you go through a couple years where you've only got to do some you know, fill a couple spots, put some Band-Aids on, and then every team goes through the cycle at some point. you got to kind of refresh. And that's just where the Cardinals were, and that's the position that they found themselves in. Similarly to the defensive line a couple years ago, you had J.J. Watt demanding a ton of attention, allowed Zach Allen on the defensive line to really 
be a game changer and, and disrupt something. So that's that's really what I think the Cardinals are missing is either a big run stuffer or, or really an edge rusher that's going to demand attention and elevate this defense in, in the sense that the other players are going to be able to do a little bit more with one player getting that t- attention. And then you have to identify those players and then are they truly available, i.e., a Chris Jones to the Kansas City Chiefs let him walk out the door and based off what Jones had to say earlier on yeah. Wednesday at the Super Bowl parade he's not going any That's the key at the parade well, though. Yeah, there you go. Craig. Yeah. But but here's the thing is even if Chris Jones hadn't gone on the mic and said he was going to be in Kansas City year after year which is uh, again not sure how uh, how much he'd had to drink I don't know how thirsty he was before <laughs> he got to that point if he was enjoying a celebration Somebody like a Chris Jones, that's it's an interesting, very specific example because not only does it make would it make sense financially, would it make sense for Chris Jones to come to Arizona at this point in his career? The Cardinals are not a defensive tackle away from winning a Super Bowl. They're not. So is that a position that Jones wanna wants to put himself in, is willing to put himself in at this point in his career? I'm not sure that that would make the most sense for him. Now a scenario maybe like that where you've got a player who isn't as far along or maybe wouldn't require as much money based on how successful Jones has been, how well he's played, that a veteran could still make sense. I'm not saying there's not going to be a single veteran who wants to come here. I'm just saying if you've got a veteran who just won a Super Bowl in Kansas City and he can stay there with Patrick Mahomes and the rest of their you know team and wants to stay there, like can you could you really blame him rather than going to a team where they're in a transition year and it might take a couple of years to get to that point of being dominant year after year? It always comes down to the dollars and cents, yet as you get older in the league, less about the dollars and cents, especially if you've already made a lot of money. But then the Cardinals, if you look at where you want to spend money, do you have a limit at how much you're willing to spend for one particular player versus spreading that money out to two or three different players at different positions where you add depth but maybe lack that one quote-unquote big name. I think that's kind of what I see from this front office. It's responsible spending. Yeah, you like those big-ticket items, but you do a little bit more of your homework. Are you catching a guy in a contract year or just the third year of a three straight seasons in which they've produced and then you figure out, okay, do they really love the game? Do they have the passion for it? Are they willing, as Jonathan Gannon likes to say, put team in front of me? Here's the good thing is the Cardinals were incredibly competitive this year with the players that they had, specifically on defense. They might not have done a great job at stopping the run, but we did see some flashes, and they were competitive, and they did go up and beat some good offenses, some teams that made deep playoff pushes. That is a good sign that now having another full offseason, again, now more of an understanding, more of a deeper relationship with this coaching staff, what they're looking for, what you need to work on this offseason. It is a really good sign when you see the flashes we saw from younger players. We saw from Starling Thomas. We saw at times from Keetra Clark, who I know started as a starter because the Cardinals didn't have a lot of options. Then Thomas took uh, that starting spot, but you still saw good things from Clark, who probably just needs a little more time to refine his skills. 
We saw Jalen Thompson, who's not a rookie, but really blossomed this year, right? We saw good things from Garrett Williams. You saw flashes from Dante Stills on that D-line, B.J. Ojolari out wide. So you still get, you know, you, you still have a good sense of what you have in these younger players where I feel like if you are able to spend the money on a pass rusher, maybe then sp- spread the money more throughout a couple options, right? You you might see significant jumps from those players that you saw flashes from going into year two. And if you were able to get what you got out of them this year, you can only think you can get more out of them with more time under head coach Jonathan Gannon. No player got, or no team, I should say, got more out of their rookies than the Arizona Cardinals in terms of snaps played, games played, starts made, that all bodes well for what we hope to be another successful draft class for Monty Austin Ford. And yeah, this front office, I joke that the offseason is not a kind of, it's its underway, but this front office has been looking at what we've been talking about, whether that's the draft or free agency, for months now. Not months. just Not just since the season ended after week 18, but for months now. But now really, the spotlight really shines now, especially when everyone convenes in Indianapolis and I'm looking forward to going back because it's been a couple of years since I was there. There's no better city, at least from my vantage point, that can host everyone and one location as far as the amenities, the hotels, the convention space, the hospital nearby for all the medical checks. It's well done and as long as the weather is good, then I'll be good. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, now that you're going to Indianapolis, <laughs> you care about the weather and you care about the cold and all this stuff, Craig. Real interesting timing. Don't think that got past me. It snowed the last time I was in Indianapolis. We're going to have a lot so, of fun. Should be fun. I, honestly, the best part is if you don't want to go outside, <laughs> you don't you really don't, have to. Unless right. you want to go somewhere specific for dinner. Yes. You don't really have to. Even the to. mall is connected with all the different uh, tunnels and everything. Yep. Yeah. It's all undercover. It's very nice. And you're not even dropping the most exciting part about what's happening at Combine for all of our Cover 2 listeners. We're going to have Cover 2 and a bunch oh, of other podcasts like, happening out there from, yes. from the Combine. Red Sea Report, Cardinals Underground, two of the three main people, The two of the three most Paul important Paul will be holding people. it down here in Tempe. Who? Because someone's got to. No, that's true, yeah. We need to have an adult on hand for Zach Gershman. <laughs> Come on. I like that. I like to see what you did there. Nice. So- for Zach or Zach for Paul? Who's who's the true adult? Let, let's say Paul's here for Zach. Come on, let's okay. give Paul a little credit. All right, just a little. I see what you did there. Just a little for Paul. I did not do that. Okay. All right. Before we get into any further trouble, <laughs> how about we put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to everyone behind the scenes: our executive producer Jim Amahundro, our associate producer Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover Two.